It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is there a new floor or ceiling for Auburn football in 2023? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. And thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's a Charlie Tuesday. That means we're joined by Auburn message board legend, the Charlie Five. First time talking to you since Auburn improved to be 3-0 and thanks to that big win against the Sanford Bulldogs. Charlie Five. A lot of talk about what the record would be for the Auburn team going into Texas A&M throughout the season, which the big thing was, can you beat Cal and take care of business against everybody else? Obviously, the Auburn Tigers have done just that 3-0 heading into Texas A&M. But does this change your mind at all about what the potential floor or potential ceiling is for this Auburn Tigers team regarding their record? Yeah, so... I wanted to see in the game, I wanted to see, hey, can we go out there and not just have to run, you know, the Robbie stuff in the red zone, just, you know, run the ball 50 times to just kind of take the game away. Can we actually execute? Can we throw yeah. the ball down the field? Um, and regardless of the opponent, what you have to do in these games is go out, execute, and take care of business. And, you know, there was the early – two little weird drives where we had, uh, some, you know, the turnovers. But right. other than that, I felt like we marched the ball down the field at will in the passing game. Uh, and that's what I that's what I needed to see to feel like you're, you, you could be looking at a possible, you know, seven, eight, you know, win floor type season because, you know, we're going to A&M. They can't stop the pass. I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, those top, just running the ball is not going to win you games. You got to be able to throw it down the field. And uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you can walk away from that and, and that game and just at least say, "Hey, they handled business and they handled business in a way that I wasn't sure they could do it." Uh, and I mean, it should. I mean, it has to give you a little bit more optimism moving forward. Yeah, I mean, just looking at pro football focus numbers, which some people like, some people don't. I like them. I think it's a good metric. Not perfect, but no metric really is. But Texas A&M, when you look at pass coverage, they have the second lowest pass coverage grade in the entire conference. Only South Carolina is worse than them. And so what was Auburn struggling with? They were struggling with consistency in the passing game. And sure, Sanford's going to be way worse at defending the pass than Texas A&M is. But let's not act like Texas A&M has a good pass defense. Right. And I, I just think if you can protect Peyton Thorne, he'll be able to put up 250 yards through the air, and that'll be enough to set up the running backs to create some lanes in the front seven. So I love the game plan. I thought it was a success. And I also love the forethought of this coaching staff because you can tell their approach to this game wasn't about Sanford. It was about getting better for the rest of the season. And I thought that was something that not all coaches and coaching staffs would have done. Sure. And I think if you look at the, the, the types of plays that were called, it was a really – they put a – believe it or not, they put a ton of pressure on Peyton Thorne to make 
correct decisions. Uh, that's why you saw him run a lot more. Yeah. Um, I, Ferg uh, put out a stat, and this just blows my mind. Peyton, they probably called – I think he threw 31 passes or 30 passes, something like that, but he probably dropped back even more than that. But he was 13 of 15 on RPO passes. Mm. Okay, so there was 15 pass plays where he had to make the correct decision. And I would argue he made all 15 correct decisions because the two incompletions were on the goal line. Uh, he threw – he overthrew Jay Fair a little bit. And that then corner, he yeah. Dime, he put a dime on Hooks, and Hooks just got tied up or something, couldn't make a play on the – didn't even make a play on the ball. Uh, but I, I, that's you – were, you were worried about, you know – you hear Freeze talking about, oh, he's reading the wrong side of the field. Oh, he's doing this. He's doing that. Uh, they threw a ton at him that game, and he, de- he almost executed it flawlessly. He did make one bad decision on the interception in the end zone. Yeah. I think the first interception was not on him. I think it hit Shane Hooks right in the chest. Yeah, Hugh Freeze put it on Hooks um, yeah. in, in the postgame presser. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I – that's that's what you had to see, and they they pre- they really put a ton on Peyton Thorn, and you know, regardless of opponent, he executed almost flawlessly. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit yesterday when Lindsey was on Charlie Five, because so many people are kind of, you know, the the, the Thorn doubters still, and there's still some reasons there. I, I think I, I don't know. I have a hard time really buying into that, but I'm trying to see where people are coming from. But they'll say that he locks onto a primary target. And it's like, well, the way you coach and fix that is you give him RPO situations where it's like, okay, if this happens, you do this. If this happens, you do this. That's coaching. That's why so many college offenses are getting better. It's not that the quarterbacks are getting better. It's that the coaching and the scheme is getting better and they're able to operate within that. And so if you're worried about that, which I still think is a little exaggerated, I think it's a little exaggerated that he locks onto his primary guy can't progress through a pattern, but whatever. Let's assume you're right. The RPO going 13 to 15 on RPO situations, RPO passes, that's going to help. That's going to help because all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, there are two options. And if you call it right, the scheme is correct. You're reading one dude usually. And it's like, okay, in that situation, one of those two options is going to work if you execute it correctly. So uh, so even if that's like your biggest issue with Thorne, you should trust this coaching staff to put him in a situation to succeed. And they seem to they seem to be doing that. Uh, one and, and of the so, more. So, do you think, with all this being said, do you think it raises the floor for Auburn's ceiling? You, going into absolutely. the year, you, you thought this. You, you thought the floor was six wins, right? After after the Cal game, I was very concerned that uh, we may the that I couldn't figure out what where the chicken the chicken or the egg. I talked about this before. I couldn't figure out if Robbie was playing because Thorne was struggling or if Thorne was struggling because Robbie was playing and switching in and out. Okay. Um, and now I think it's, it was probably the, uh, the, la- the, the latter. I think that the, the rotations kind of threw things off. They settled in. They gave him, they gave him the reins and said, go, go do it. And to me, that makes me feel like – another thing, I know you don't like this argument, but Thorne got here in June. And, like, just think about having to learn – just 15 RPO plays in general, okay? Just think about having to learn that. I mean, having to learn the whole playbook and, like, you just kind of build and build and build. I'm fine with that argument. And maybe, maybe we're sort of getting to – maybe where he's he's becoming more comfortable in making yeah. those decisions. And, and instead of being afraid to make the wrong decision, 
Uh, I, I I don't know. I think you could. I think seven. I feel like you're maybe at a seven win floor right now, and you 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 could possibly uh, upset some folks. This weekend's a big big game. I think it's biggest game all, of the year. Yeah, it's biggest game of the year. I, so far, yes, absolutely. I think right now, if you had, I mean, I said it all summer. Like Auburn going to College Station is the most important game on the schedule, and we'll talk about it a ton. We'll talk about it more later too. But your Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU. There's a solid chance you lose all three of those games. Like, there's a solid chance you lose all three of those games. You may not. If you win one of those three games, all of a sudden, like, this could be an eight or nine win season, which is exciting. Right. But, like, Ole Miss at home, Mississippi State at home. I feel better about those games now than I did going into the year. Sure. Vanderbilt on the road. I think that is what it is. I don't think our opinions change much on that. And then Houston's been absolutely dominating New Mexico State after after last year. Get ready, New Mexico State. Sure, you're going to sure. It. Yeah, stinks to be uh, stinks to what the, the the Aggies, but like yeah. in Fayetteville, like I picked yeah. Auburn to win in Fayetteville regardless going into the year. But it's like if BYU could do whatever they want, like you're telling me by that point in the season, if Auburn keeps getting better, like I don't know about that. And there's a chance that Arkansas kind of. They have some internal yeah, things. And then, and then all, all of a sudden, the Iron Bowl is like, okay, like, I would love to play Alabama next week. <laughs> if yeah, I'm just being yeah, honest. Exactly. I'd love to play Alabama next week. So we'll see what happens with that program moving forward. But, yeah, I feel better about eight and four now than I ever have. Sure. I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent with you uh, yep. right there. Let's book. We're booging. Book it. All right. Coming up, Shane Hooks, Jay Fair. They can eat. We'll discuss in just a moment right here on – Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. And right now is the best time to join with the NFL season in college football. Now gearing up, ramping up. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you have to do is place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a bunch of different betting options, including spreads, player props, over, under. Of course, there's more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL and college football season. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Charlie Five, our guest on this Charlie Tuesday. So when you look at what Shane Hooks and Jay Fair are doing, those two guys have really emerged as the top two receivers, not only in production, but as far as targets as well, uh, Rivaldo Fairweather is third in targets. But when you look at Auburn's targets, there have been 75 players or 70 players have been targeted 75 times so far this season. Jay Fair almost doubles everyone else. He has been targeted yeah. 20 times, 20 yeah. times. And he actually has twice as many receptions as everyone else. Shane Hooks has been targeted 12 times. And there's a big drop off after that. until you get to Rivaldo at seven. I'm a little shocked by this, but I mean, Jay Fair has just been money. He's been so good. 
And the fact of the matter is, like, he's been targeted 20 times. He's caught 14 at 70%. Like, that's exactly what you want out of your slot receiver. It's incredible. Oh, he is. He's phenomenal. Uh, Mike G called this one. He, he he's, he's He's phenomenal. And he's not only good at just slot receiver stuff. Like, he can get down the field and he beats people vertically. And uh, how hard is it to throw? I feel like it's it's tougher to throw a deep ball to a smaller guy and uh, they seem to have got their timing down because every single one, it seems like, is, is on the money. He's – no, Jay Fair, I, I'm like Q. If he was 6'2", he might be the best player in America. Like, he is he is really, really, good, really good. And I, I don't I don't have any uh, – I, I don't have any reservations or I, – I, I totally get it. I get it why he's getting all the targets. He's getting open. He's open. So – uh, I, I love building the game, kind of building the game plan around him. As for Hooks, look, I I loved Hooks uh, coming out of the fall camp, and he's had 12 targets and what, like five or six catches? Five, five, five catches. catches. It's like 44%. He's got to get 41. Better. He's got to get better. Um, he's got to get better with the ball in the air. Jay Fair is very good when the ball's in the air. He has incredible ball skills. That's That's – that's a, a very underrated skill for a wide receiver. So a lot of times accuracy and whatnot is is maybe 40 to 50%, you know, the receiver being able to make a play, get, get in the right position sure. uh, on the ball, especially down the field. And Hooks is just not quite not quite there yet. The fade is a very good, a very good um, uh, demonstration of that. Look, Rivaldo can't be the only guy that we throw it up to. We got to have other dudes. Otherwise, if you line him out, it's pretty obvious what you're what we're going to do. And it may not even matter because Rivaldo will probably catch it anyway. But you got to have. I, I, I think Hooks. You got it. You got to get him involved. You got to get him reps because he may be another guy that is adjusting to the speed of the game and, and gets better. Um, he he looks good. That beautiful throw he caught down in the uh, the corner of the end zone. Um, got to get. I, I, I get it, but he's got to be able to. He's got to be able to convert a lot more, and I yeah. think he will as as games go on. Yeah, and, and one other thing about Jay Fair, just to circle back real quick, he's averaging twelve yards a catch. So it's not like it's just three yeah. yard dink and dunks either. Like he no. he's if he catches it, like he's averaging a little over a first down, and then Hooks is averaging seventeen yards a catch. Right. But let's get to let's get to the guy. Rivaldo Fairweather, he's third on the team with seven targets. Oh, yeah, and also uh, seven catches. Mm, I odd. mean, it's just – Put it he's, up. He's, 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 like, he's living up to the hype, dude. What? And you saw him force-feeding it to him early against Sanford. You got to think Texas A&M – Texas A&M's had to have to game plan for several things. But I'm just curious to see how A&M and then other SEC teams play Rivaldo Fairweather. Because you almost his, have to treat him like a tight end or as a wide receiver instead of a tight end. His ball skills are absolutely incredible. So, like, he he understands how to get himself in the right position. Like, on a deep ball, uh, anything that has some distance to it, I think he's much better, uh, much more of a weapon down the field than I do on the little the crossing routes and things like that that we run to that, that we try to run yeah. to him early in the Sanford game. Like, the, the catch he made, the long catch he made on like the three or the four yard line. I mean, 
when he gets when he shields you when he gets in front of you there's you can't see he blots out the sun like you can't you can't make a play on the ball because he's just going to engulf you and get and get his get his body in front of you and then he makes the easy catch like it's it's incredible did he's you notice so it was a short pass to a running back i think it was damari it was early in the game against Sanford. And Rivaldo was already turned around, like looking for the ball. And th- it was a dump pass to, to Damari. And he felt the defender behind him. And so he blocks for him, like boxing out, like he's backing up <laughs> against the guy to, 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 to block, um, which was just funny because he knew if he turned around, he'd lose him. But um, he's just, his, he knows how to use his body so well, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And, yes. and it's not just to maneuver his body around to position himself for the catch. But like he really seems to understand leverage, which is uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, he's a big, incredible athlete. Like I, I mean, at the end of the year, like go play some uh, power forward. Like I think he could probably, I think he could probably do it. Like he's that, you know, he's that good. Uh, he's just man, he's he's so much fun to watch. He's already like on Mel Kiper's big board. Like just bare, oh, already. is he? He's like number the number sixth overall rated tight end. Like already. Uh, and he's only had seven catches, and I and I think that that usage is about to go way up. Um, so it has to, has to, it has to. So I mean, when you look at you know just the target disparity, Jay Fair twenty, Shane Hooks twelve, Rivaldo seven, Javarius is at six. And he's only played two games. We don't know how much time he's going to miss. Then after that, it's kind of your running backs. Um, do you expect? those three guys to be the main three guys? Or do you think somebody else like Amari Kelly could possibly emerge? Or do you think it's those three dudes that a drop off? Man, it's, it's so hard to say. Um, I think Javarius is going to be part of it too. Um, but right he's now, be here, I mean, like, it seems like he's always kind of battling an injury. I hate yeah, it. If he can stay healthy, like shorter, yeah. shorter, like one of the best throws of the day. Uh, one of the best throws today, in my opinion, was uh, a, he, Thorne ripped one to the pylon on like a, a quick back shoulder type fade and, and shorter just he t- yeah. a he turned the wrong way and then he couldn't make a play on the ball like I just wonder if it's too fast for him I I, I don't know he he is he just doesn't seem to be able to to separate and then where do you go from there Amari Kelly gets separation he made a pretty good catch he got separation against Cal uh, on that back shoulder fade he just didn't make the catch. Maybe that's a guy you got to have some outside guys, and and he is a you know six foot six one dude that can run a little bit. Um, you know maybe those guys start to work in, but like right now, three dudes like not a lot of teams have two dudes, but if you got three guys that you feel like you can go to, yeah. and then you got your running backs that you can dump off, which I think is going to become a big part of, of the game this weekend. Uh, that's that's pretty solid uh, if you can stay healthy, but you. You do got to bring some dudes along, but I kind of like this little trio um, that we have going right now. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if Damari Austin was towards the top of the team in targets by the end of the year. He's tied with a, uh, with a few people for fifth yep. um, as far as targets. Um, I just like what he brings. Yeah. I mean, he's caught he all five the targets. He's no, probably he's got five, for five. five for five. Yeah. Uh, he's, I, 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 would, I was thinking he would be a – a hundred percenter. Uh, I've never seen anything him not be able to catch. Yeah. And I kind of thought that would be more Jarquez, but I think I'd rather Damari be in that role right now. No disrespect to Jarquez. I just think Damari Austin is like, I'm I think he's in. figured it out. I'm all in too. I'm all in. I'm all in too. Yeah. 
All right, can Auburn beat Texas A&M this weekend? We discuss in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the best place to buy all of your last-minute tickets. Uh, buy tickets to your favorite events, whether it's sports or the theater, music, comedy, whatever. It shouldn't be stressful. You should be able to look forward to that and have fun and not dread the process of getting there. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have thanks to Game Time. I had like four of you guys reach out to me via Discord this weekend asking for the Game Time promo code. It is locked on college, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. That gives you $20 off your first purchase whenever you create your Game Time account after downloading the Game Time app. Of course, it's free. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You've got to check it out. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem with code locked on college for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Charlie. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Five Auburn message board legend hanging out with us. Final few minutes here. The big question, we've been asking it all summer, and now it's even more appropriate to ask, can Auburn beat Texas A&M on Saturday? And I think the way they played against Samford and the type of calls that they played and made against Samford I feel better about it now, much better about it now than I did a week ago and much better about it now than I did going into the season. I mean, I don't know that I could say say anything different. I, I feel uh, a thousand and, – and I, watching Miami kind of torch them helped, helped too, uh, through, especially yeah. through the air. Um, look, they're the, obviously the best offense we're going to have seen thus far. They, 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 they're one of the top scoring offenses in the SEC – uh, they've played two cupcakes and they even scored, but they scored 33 or 34 against Miami. You know, I know a lot of that was kind of, they were down trying to come back, you know, whatever, but uh, they can throw the ball. They got some good backs. They have the better, the really good receivers. So it's going to test old Ron Roberts. I can't wait to see what he schemes up uh, for this. Cause to me, I feel like we're going to be able to move the ball um, one way or the other. I feel like we're going to be able to move the ball. Uh, we're, the three teams that we've played have all said we dare Auburn to beat us running the ball. We have, I don't think we've necessarily seen – I'm sorry. They've dared Auburn to throw the ball. In right. other words, we're stopping the run. Like, we will do – they cannot throw the ball. We'll do whatever we can to stop the run. And I'm wondering if that game against Sanford changes that philosophy of opposing defenses moving I bet it forward doesn't. a little bit. And if I bet it, it doesn't, doesn't, I'm happy. Like, that's fine because I think – we will be able to – that makes RPOs so much easier, okay? makes RPOs so much easier when uh, teams are up on the line of scrimmage trying to trying to stop that run because it's going to leave a lot of one-on-one opportunities. So – so Yeah, I'm, I'm more worried about stopping them yeah. than I am scoring, which is I'm kind worried. of weird to say after the game two weeks ago against Cal, but I just feel better about passing the ball now than I did then. Yeah, I'm worried can they just – Will they be able to just sort of run run on us and control the clock? Uh, I know, you know, 
Petrino likes to throw the ball, but but still, I'm wondering, you know, can we be tough uh, and stop the run, and, and then are, can we create turnovers? You're going to have to on the road in an environment like that, uh, and you know, I, I can't wait to see how we how we scheme that to get after them, um, and then offense. It just it, we're look a six point. I would have never. Before the before the beginning of the year, I would have said we would have been like maybe ten or eleven point, you know, underdog to be to be going on the road only a, only six point uh, dog. I, I like I like where we're at. I think we got a shot. Um, I think I saw seventy percent of the public's money is on Auburn plus six. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Uh, it's early. It's early. Like, let's see how that shakes out towards sure. the end of the week. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like where we're at, man. Um, that was a big, big game to, to build off of. I feel like that. And I, and I think I could almost, I almost recognize that Hugh Freeze feels the same way because his demeanor seems to have, like he said, okay, I could take a breath. There's yeah. something here. There's something here. I was really concerned, but there's something here. Cutting up a little bit with Dap in the press conference. That was talking awesome. about. I should have known. Uh, oh, y'all should have told me Peyton was only 18 yards away from being the first ever 300, 100 guy. Uh, stuff like that. I, I think he's sort of been able to exhale, you know, and say, okay, there's something here. There's something here that we can build off of. Yeah, Daprich got halfway through his uh, his question, and he was like, "God, why didn't y'all tell me?" <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like exactly. that was a great question, Daryl. Good job. Uh, good job bringing that that stat up. Uh, yeah, I, I just feel good about it. The, the the my biggest concern, I think, with Saturday's game, and this will change a little bit when I, I watch A and M stuff a little bit closer throughout the week, but Auburn's pass rush. Auburn's the eleventh best pass rushing team in the SEC, which is not good. AM's ninth, so I think we'll be able to defend theirs fine. But what is Ron Roberts going to do to generate a pass rush? And I just think Auburn has the DBs where you can send an extra dude and just put guys on islands for a short amount of time and hope you get there. I, I, I just I think that's the move. It is. I, I like Connor Wegman. I like him a lot. I think I like him more than the average person in this business. I think he's good. Um. I just think it's a weird situation and Jimbo Fisher is his head coach, but I, I just, I think Auburn should be able to score. I think Auburn should be able to score on Saturday. It's just, can you stop them consistently? And based on what we've seen so far, like, I don't know if we should doubt Ron Roberts until, until we actually see this. Exactly. Exactly. You know, special teams. I felt like before Scott, Keontae Scott went down, we probably had an edge there. Uh, that, I'm very concerned about punt returns, man. If we do stop them, like, who's going to, who's, who are we going to put back there? Like, heck, in the Sanford game, we got to the point where we just didn't even put anybody back there to, to you know, to, to return the punt. So, yeah, I think you put um, Jalen back there. Yeah. Jalen went back there, which is just like fair catching and just, just catch the ball. Jalen, yeah, just, just catch the ball. Out. Yeah. So maybe that was just a fluky thing. Uh, and we'll, you know, but we did. You did muff two, and you lost one. So and yeah, one the points, I, I'm glad you bring that, that up because a, a lot of people have asked me in messages and stuff, and, and a few comments on YouTube. And feel free to comment. We we do see those. Why Brian Batty is not returning punts, and I can't get into the technical, but kick return and punt return are two very different things, to mm -hmm. my understanding. You get the ball is different. 
Yeah. You don't have really, you don't have blockers. Like you, you got to look up. I mean, it's just the responsibility is different. It's actually funny. Years ago when I was doing middays on the ESPN station in Auburn, Marcus Davis would come on a few times a month and now he's coaching, but he returned punts for Auburn. Right. Right. And, and he was telling me how different the two were. Cause there's just so many more things you've got to think about. It's much more mental on the punt return side. And like, I don't know what Brian Batty's like mindset or willingness is. I, I assume he'd be willing to try it, but surely they've tried him back there before. Um, but he's a kick returner. His skill set matches more of a kick returner than a punt returner. It's not the same thing. And I think, yeah. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you're just catching a kick and running it back. It's, I can't get into the technical details of it, but it is very different. Well, shoot. I mean, think about it. When you kick off, when you kick a, a kickoff, it's end over end every single time. So it's going to mm-hmm. spin the same way every single time. It's going to essentially travel the same direction every single time. Whereas a punt spinning, it's all different if the nose turns over, if the nose is up, if it's if it's end over Good end. Point. Like there's so many different things that can happen, and it's just. Uh, I, I mean, it is a different skill set. You can't just put anybody back there. And I hope that we can find some type of remedy because I don't I'm not sure that Scott's going to even be available for this game so uh, I know that's he's devastating in, and, and that's that's tough like he I, I know he was in a boot uh you know during the, like I think he they put him in a boot immediately and I, I'm just not 100% sure he's even going to be healthy for the game so yeah. you got to find a solution there that's probably the biggest sketch part uh, of the game uh for, for me right now I kind of feel good in, in a lot of other I get places. that I get that Charlie Five, thank you for your time as always. How can people check out everything you've got going on, buddy? You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Charlie underscore five in the Locked on Auburn Discord every single day, auburnlive.com, the corner message board, or uh, weekly on the Dad by Golf Pod. Yeah, and you can read all my written work at auburndaily.com. We will be back tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.